Hi, welcome to part one and two of our exploration of the Boris Johnson book, 72 Virgins. If you are a new listener who's come here to listen to the third episode, welcome. Uh, these have been unlocked from our Patreon for you. They are parts of other episodes where we talked about other things as well. So here's the first part of Boris Johnson's book where we try to explore the overall nature of the writing and get into how horrible it is. Uh, this was recorded at a live show we did in Cambridge in this, this springtime. Please enjoy. I also recently, uh, I ran across a novel uh, that I would like to share. Um, so... Has anyone heard of Harry Potter? <laughs> it's cracking stuff. You should give it a read. It really, like, there are a few books I've read that say so much about the current state of our politics. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're, resist we're epically resisting Trump by reading Harry Potter and deciding what house we're in. Well, like, I mean, hello, hello, I'm Rory Stewart, and welcome to the Dumbledore's Army podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk about some goblins that run all the banks. No, not the ones you're thinking <laughs> not of. Not them, not them, not them. So, I recently ran across a novel um, that is one of probably the most interesting things I've ever read. Because we all know Boris Johnson. Um, but do we know how his imagination works? Because I will tell you, it's overactive and super racist. <laughs> Precisely. Whom among us would have guessed this? Um, so, and he has a certain kind of haircut, a haircut which has a particular name, or a name we won't say. Um, so, I will now, before cracking on to the first part of the book, tell you what the publisher says this book is. Ahem. 72 Virgins <laughs> is a comic political novel. So that's what he did. He called his book 72 Virgins. <laughs> um, it's about the people in my mentions. <laughs> with similar appeal to Stephen Fry or Ben Elton, written by one of Britain's most popular politicians. Similar appeal to Ben Elton, i.e. none whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it is Boris Johnson's first novel and was widely acclaimed on publication, presumably in The Spectator and Telegraph and so on. It's quite, it's quite something. Um, so... The, the summary they give is, the American president on a state visit to Britain is giving a major address to a top-level audience in Westminster Hall. Ferocious security, with some difficulties in communication, is provided by a joint, joint strike crack force of the United States Secret Service in Scotland Yard. The best sharpshooters from both countries are stationed, blah, blah, blah. Then, a stolen ambulance runs into trouble with parking authorities, a hapless member of parliament, who could guess who that's modeled after, having mislaid a pass, is barred from Westminster, his bicycle regarded as a potentially lethal weapon, and a man going by the name of Jones, born in Karachi, successfully slipped through the barriers. <laughs> anyway, this is the summary of Boris Johnson's incredibly racist novel, and we are going to use it as a little keyhole into the psyche of the man itself, because, I can promise you now, this is the single most divorced book I've ever read. <laughs> so, this is the opening line. On what he had every reason to believe would be the last day of his undistinguished political career, Roger Barlow <laughs> awoke in a state of sexual excitement. <laughs> <laughs> 
and with a gun to his head. The one fading as he became aware of the other. The gun well, was no, a- this can't be Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson would only get harder if he knew that he had a gun to his head. <laughs> Just like boarding school. <laughs> the gun was Wait, a- but you're not a boy from the older years. <laughs> he, he's a type of guy who would actually say, gaggle me. <laughs> the gun was equipped with an orange whale harpoon and would it have been lethal had it been more than six inches long and made of something other than plastic this man doesn't know how how does it fit I don't understand how it would fit onto well, a hand a hand okay you'll, right. you'll get it say your prayers buddy said the four year old a little bit of classic misdirection Roger's eyelid quivered and here's but what if we... this was set in America, that four-year-old would be holding a real gun that he had retrieved from the cereal cupboards, and then everyone would die. <laughs> um, so this is where we get the first peek into Boris Johnson's psyche. I'm going to kill you, Daddy, and then I'm going to marry Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oedipus the Tory here. Amazing. Oh. It's, like, it's like boss. It's like boss baby. Yeah, it's 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 a boss yeah, yeah. baby origin story. Yeah, yeah. Bo- boss baby X. <laughs> um, to- today, Ro- Ro- Roger uh, didn't want to be rude to the four-year-old, lest he exacerbate his Oedipus complex. But he was damned if he was going to be treated this way. He grunted, rolled away, and gripped his slumbering wife with both arms. <laughs> his, his t-shirt in bed was Wait, one so relic. he's sexually defensive in front of his four-year-old son. <laughs> Screaming at my four-year-old son to not email my wife. I am <laughs> a regular I man. I am not a cock. Um, <laughs> he, t- <laughs> he, he Anyway. <laughs> he tended to, giving us more of a window into Boris Johnson's personal life than we ever wanted, wear only t-shirts in bed. <laughs> So, if you ever wanted to picture Boris Johnson pantsless... Oh, he's like Winnie the Pooh, but a very pornographic version. Uh, and, <coughs> and this one was the relic of a brief but illustrious former Tory leadership campaign in which he, under which he had been proud to serve. It's time for Hague, proclaimed the shirt, while the back announced common sense revolution. <laughs> Welcome to Boris <laughs> it's Johnson's It's time for Hague, or also a number of t-shirts I've had printed about Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, some things transpire. I mean, it's, it's a terrible book. We're not going to bother with the plot. You're vaguely aware of it. Um, so, uh, Roger Boris Johnson decide, decides to check the news. Quote, the police launched some, uh, some new Al-Qaeda raid in Wolverhampton and Finsbury, but there was one of those every week at this point. <laughs> Welcome to his very racist book. <laughs> very bad. So, foreshadowing. He hops on his bike and heads down to Westminster to get to Parliament for the President's speech. Um, And that basically concludes most of the happenings of Chapter 1, which is the first and last chapter without any insane racism. (laughs) The record does not keep up for long. So, yeah, that's just a bit where his son tries to fuck his wife. (laughs) The normal part of the book. Well, he was like, you know, I've read Kafka, but I want to make it relevant to my life, so... You know, clearly my son's got to hold a gun to my head and try to fuck my wife. This is normal. Exactly. Who among us hasn't had this happen? This is normal Johnson stuff. Well, my wife is Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, what Boris Johnson does for us is he leaps out of the mind of Boris Johnson, 
Uh, and because Game of Thrones style, we have a lot of different uh, 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 protagonists into another protagonist. And here's where we get to see what does Boris Johnson think recent immigrants to the country are like? I bet it's really good. Uh, it's great. And really open-minded. <laughs> Is he taking on the persona of you? It was going to be a beautiful day, thought William Eric Onimaya, as he walked across Lambeth Bridge. He- no one ever thinks that. No. That's, uh, not, that's like a weird thought to have. No, people think that in very sophomoric writing. Mm. Um, he looked down at his shoes. They were fat Doc Martens, burnished and blushing like bumps or buns. <laughs> so he wants to fuck the shoes. <laughs> Has Boris Johnson ever worn shoes? <laughs> I think he's very confused. You know when you put on a shoe and it just feels like a freshly baked croissant? <laughs> they were, bah, bah, what was it? Buxom. He grinned and thought of other things that might be classified as buxom. <laughs> Does he think that this guy has a speech impediment in his own thoughts? <laughs> Why why is this book so unrelentingly horny? <laughs> He's talking about shoes. In one sentence he has segued from a guy looking at his own shoes to tits. <laughs> this is not as horny as it gets. It gets so much hornier. <laughs> so, uh Eric went down Horse Ferry Road, past the obelisks at their odd pineapple finials. Past the bearded stone Victorians who had conquered his continent so many years before and began to hunt in the former imperial metropolis. (laughs) (laughs) The man who's going to be PM, everybody. portrays a recent Nigerian immigrant as a, as a traffic warden who is hunting in the land of his former colonial masters. We love it, <laughs> folks, don't we? We, we? we love seeing like such exotic sites such as like the Pret-a-Manger and uh, the, waitro- the, the Waitrose Little Convenience. This is, this is actually the most like Tory dad thing is believing that parking tickets are somehow revenge for the Mau Mau. That's why Jeremy Clarkson got so mad at Sadiq Khan, right? You have a week. I told really? you, this he book did. is the most divorced book ever written. But at the same time, I mean, he's just taking his, it's like what an author does. He's taking his own life experience and he's trying to make it relevant to his character. Boris Johnson has ruined a safari by being too horny. So clearly his characters are going to do that too. So, um, we'll, um, (laughs) that's not the most racist this chapter gets. I'm waiting for it to be like, he cracked into a carton of umbongo, (laughs) which I'm reliably informed is brewed in the Congo. (laughs) So, this guy spots an ambulance parked up on a curb, the white whale. Um... (laughs) Now I will truly defeat the white man, their most precious invention, the ambulance. <laughs> so now we, have, uh, now we have a racist scene change <laughs> where we switch from the perspective of, um, of this sort of evil but happy but dumb uh, parking warden to four dark men ate a large breakfast at the cafe near Parliament. <laughs> Uh, quickly, said the one called Jones, coming back from the toilets. The traffic wardens will be here. There was certain <laughs> <laughs> Boris Johnson. Traffic wardens versus Al Qaeda. Whoever wins. Again, yes. We lose. Uh, 
and so again, this is Boris Johnson's inner, this is Boris Johnson's approach to foreshadowing. There was certainly something lilting and Eastern about his accent, but if you shut your eyes and ignored his brown skin, uh, <laughs> meeting my daughter's new boyfriend, a book, a book by Boris Johnson, <laughs> he sounded almost Welsh. Oh my God! Oh. Almost Welsh, of course. Hello. No, I've come to establish the caliphate. <laughs> Um, his, his compatriots Harun and Habib in slightly different ways were possessed of a certain animal cruelty oh my god <laughs> is that a halal reference I don't know it's, it's not a reference to Michael to American football player Michael Vick yeah it's, I mean it's, it's not like a, it's not like a reference it's not like you know um, in con- contrast to the civilizational approach of like coming in your own shoes before you go out in the morning, uh, I love the idea that like the way that he can tell they're in China, like they're just like in this cafe, but one of them is just like torturing a guinea pig or something, you know. I, I for one love to go into public rest- well, like, public restaurants and um, you know spot dark men and like try to figure out exactly how animalistic they all are. Depending on the orders of what they... Of, uh, well, that's just are. cottaging, isn't it? <laughs> Which, to be fair, is like something that does not really cross over with the Al-Qaeda Venn diagram. <laughs> Bo- both men had trained in the deserts in the camps in Sudan and Afghanistan. Habib's tranquil exterior was deceptive in that he liked to meditate on violence and had devised some of the more Baroque of elements of the plan they were about to execute. Wait, so he's just like the one guy at the yoga class who's like, ha, they think I'm thinking about like quinoa or something, but I'm thinking about torturing a guinea pig and shoes that look like tits. In the view of Habib and Harun, it was absurd to have Jones in this operation at all. It was just because he was British. He was the local talent. As for his terroristic temperament, which is quite a quite an alliterative phrase, isn't it? Mm. For Boris Johnson, future prime minister of this country, to have written, um, um, uh, he seemed to have absorbed far too much of the risk aversion of the modern British male. <laughs> it's the most divorced book ever written. He 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 was fine until he lived in Britain for too long and started having uh, dreams about his future four-year-old son fucking his wife. That's what made him meek, the fact that, like, his, <laughs> infant, the citizenship his, test. his infant son kept cucking him and he didn't know what to do. So does Boris Johnson just think that, I mean, he may not like suicide bombers, but they're very alpha? <laughs> yeah, it's like, at least they're committed to something, unlike these soy Unlike boys. these milk-toast, limp-wristed, effeminate Westerners. We can't let in these seven-year-old Syrian children. They're going to fuck our wives. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, so that's essentially the incredibly racist setup of this book where um, he just indulges in just all of it. Um, And so these four guys get into an altercation with the parking warden and then a Serbian guy who says, I don't trust Muslims. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) There was no animosity there. (laughs) runs off and talks to the police. So let's smash cut to an American helicopter that's just been given a little bit of intelligence. 
I have found these guys who, uh, for reasons not related to racial profiling, I believe may be up to something untoward. <laughs> you can trust me, I'm from the Serbian military. <laughs> Radko Hudic? <laughs> you see, this man has no war crimes. Yo, this traffic warden thinks he's going to go and put a ticket on this van, but he doesn't know that it's full of explosives. <laughs> so... So, who's meant to be driving this ambulance, said the pilot as they passed over Trafalgar Square and made for the river. He's called Jones, said Grover from Scotland Yard. Ah, what's he look like? Kind of an Arab type thing. Well, whoops among us. Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you all cast your minds back to the um, publisher's summary of the book where they said they're all from Karachi. Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson. <laughs> Well, for Boris Johnson, everything from, like, Greek all the way up to Chinese is sort of broadly Arab. <laughs> it's like... He had bigger dreams of the Ottoman Empire than any, any of them did. In many ways, he was the true supporter of the real caliphate. Oh, Boris Johnson. Hundreds of miles away, at Filingdales in Yorkshire, the word Arab triggered an automatic alert in the huge golf ball-shaped American listening post. The pilot continued, that's all, that he's an Arab called Jones? That, and he's on the CIA's most wanted list. His father was a gynecologist in Karachi who was struck off for some reason. Wait, he's wait, a wait, serious wait. He was too, horny, too horny. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm not a gynecologist, but I'll take actually, a look. It would, be, it would be kind of amazing if actually there was this very small population of Arab expats in Karachi who are famous for being really horny. And Boris Johnson had just done a lot of research for this book. <laughs> I mean, would, also, I like the idea that the CIA, right, have a listening post, which is set to report every instance of the word Arab. <laughs> the CIA are going to be very fucking busy. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, the CIA also had to design something that could scan the internet for uses of the word ISIS and not the word is. Uh, um, so yeah, apparently uh, this, this, uh, this book has actually looked forward in time to our horrible dystopian startup uh, and applied it to the fictive world. So, ah uh, yes, uh, thought, Ro so, sorry, back to Roger Boris. Uh, who's cycling around and sees the four uh, Middle Eastern men in an altercation with this openly Islamophobic Serbian and this Nigerian stereotype traffic warden. You could have just said Serbian. <laughs> ah, yes, thought Roger Barlow Boris. A classic scene of our vibrant, sorry, of our so-called vibrant multicultural society. A <laughs> I love that he, like, thinks in, like, wry irony quotes. <laughs> the, the, How so-called multicultural the, society. The man thinks in telegraph columns. Um, <laughs> a group of asylum seekers in dispute with a Nigerian traffic warden. Poor bleeders. What were they? <laughs> Albanians, Kosovars, Tajiks, Uzbeks, Martians. Who boy. This is verbatim. Uh, yeah. This is verbatim, y'all. Just FYI. Yeah. This is We all know the only people who live on Mars are insane billionaires. <laughs> uh, just insane billionaires and Nazis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just, just encourage Boris Johnson to become prime minister so we can become friends with Elon Musk so they can all go to Mars together and leave us alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mars is just going to become like the biggest swingers party ever <laughs> Spaceship keys in the bowl everyone <laughs> We've got to populate a whole red planet So um, And so it, it, it transpires that uh, Boris is then 
Boris, is then shunted in some ark trying to find a way in. Uh, the uh, group of refugees who have all been described as terroristic um, have, are now attempting to get the ambulance in, and we're all there. Um, so he's attempting to get in to Parliament, and he runs into another divorced guy, Bugbear. I'm sorry, sir, you can't take your bike with you. Uh, one of the guards snapped at the bike. What's wrong with my bike? It's a lethal weapon, sir. Down to <laughs> health and safety. Very divorced. <laughs> John Claude Junker! <laughs> I mean, I, I think to Milo's point, this book is basically all about how he was wronged by a traffic warden and he decided to, to make it have something to do with Islam somehow. <laughs> yeah, it is very Jeremy Clarkson. It is very much like, I was so angry that I got a parking ticket in the no-go zone of Whitechapel in East London. Um, and it must be, you know, but, you know, these women can walk around in burkas. Yeah. And they don't get parking tickets. This Muslim, What's going on there? Double standards. This Muslim traffic organ stuck something on my car windscreen called a PCN, which I assume stands for Please Caliphate Now. <laughs> Let's make some t-shirts with that. <laughs> Note that down, please. Mm-hmm. You get a discount if you establish a caliphate within 14 days. <laughs> Furthermore, One for the real parking ticket heads there. <laughs> Furthermore, I can't let you in without a pink pass with the letter P on it. Now. And the bloody gay lobby. <laughs> I mean, is that Classic. what he's going for? He's, he's saying that, that uh, you can't stop terrorism because traffic cops are too gay. Kind, I mean, I'm sorry, sir, but in Parliament, it's Pride Month. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to wear this boot Bicycles shoe. are heteronormative somehow. <laughs> um... Barlow, Boris, whatever, had grown up during the Cold War, and when at school, he'd read his Thucydides. <laughs> Famous Cold War writer, Thucydides. It had been obvious to him that America was the modern Athens. <laughs> of course. Energetic, pluralistic, the guarantor of democracy and freedom. There's a lot of people fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah, the pizza. You know, you've yeah. got to investigate it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's much like Athens, America. Um, Athens had uh, its... Uh, Agora, America has Comet Ping Pong. Yeah. <laughs> we were just trying to pass on powerful centrist ideas to those children. It wasn't a sexual... I mean, for all you know, they might have had pizza at the symposium, all right? The records aren't that exact. <laughs> exactly. So, um, in, therefore, infinitely to be preferred to the Soviet Union, closed, nasty, militaristic, the modern Sparta. Yes, absolutely. That is how I would not describe any Western society closed, nasty, and militaristic. But there we go. But also, like, nothing nothing is like Sparta in the modern world. Like, what an insane comparison to make. Like, no society in the ancient world was like Sparta. Like, sorry to go, like, classic. It's just, like, it's an insane outlier. That's why everyone learns about it. The Soviet Union, like, what the... Like, oh, yes, yeah, Sparta, where they were all, like, queuing to buy busts of Lenin. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> As we all recall. Or the Soviet Union, famous for defeating the Nazis with its hoplite infantry. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We all remember how... Um, the, yeah, also, the Spartans were famous for, like, defeating armies of far greater numbers, which was, like, the opposite of the Soviet strategy. <laughs> the Soviet strategy is like, we will kill one of their men for every 20 of ours. Because we're not pussies. <laughs> but now, intercepted by this, by this uh, impudent security guard, just feet away from the statue of Winston Churchill, he felt his gorge rise. 
I am a member of parliament, he said, eyes prickled with irritation. Boris Johnson is not working anything out in writing this book at all. Now this is like the time he wasn't let into whites or something. (laughs) So, anyway, Boris moves from his incredibly racist chess piece caricatures around the board until Barlow, shunted hither and yon by security personnel who dare ask him for a form, the real villains in my opinion, uh, sees some people he recognizes. Ahem. Uh, because he, if you recall, he saw the, the people earlier. Hang on a tick, said Barlow, a little more assertively. Um, I just saw those guys in the ambulance moments ago, and they get to go through. Another ha- thought half-formed in his depleted brain. Jones, in the ambulance, showed the pink P form on the dashboard and touched the accelerator. Damn, these terrorists and their knowledge of bureaucracy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> The main lesson of of the setup of this book appears to be, if only they racially profiled (laughs) and did me a favor. (laughs) I'm sorry, sir, but I cannot actually stop Al-Qaeda as I will be called racist. (laughs) (laughs) You've not even heard the worst part of it. All four of those guys, as well as working for Al-Qaeda, they work in the House of Commons Cafe. (laughs) And I went in there the other day and ordered a coffee. And they charged me for a soup. <laughs> and it was halal. Yeah. I just, I just had to drink it. it. Right? So far, again, I know I'm keeping coming back to this. Is this not the most divorced book ever written? <laughs> well, yeah, because it's basically like a minor inconvenience slowed me down and it was Al-Qaeda's fault somehow. And if, the, if, and if those, 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 those bureaucrats hadn't just slowed me down, then, you know, maybe I would have been able to save the president, a thing I do on a regular basis. Yeah. But it's not, even, it's not even Al-Qaeda's fault. It's the fault of the libs. Like, Al-Qaeda are just these, like, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys. They're going to do that. But the, if it wasn't for the bloody libs who refused to just put all of the brown people in camps, as has been the system for decades, and it's worked perfectly well, you know... You can tell, like, the genesis of the book was, like, he was stuck in Parliament. We were stuck, like, trying to get into Parliament on, like, a rainy day. He had to, like, go through, like, the guest lobby because, like, no one would kind of give him special permission. And then from the corner of his eye, he sees, like, an Indian person in a suit who's, like, a, you know, parliamentary assistant just go through the fast queue. Yeah. That's when it starts. It was, like... He's like, know, I'd rather burn my own house down than deal with this. If, if this man... <laughs> it's like, Forrest, just go to America. I mean, that's, like, the fucking national character. William if, Faulkner wrote books about this. If this man, like, had has a bomb strapped to him, I'm the only one who could stop him. It's like, it's like Mark Wahlberg insisting that he could stop 9-11 by punching the plane. Yeah, it's just, in this case, Boris Johnson's personal 9-11 is a minor inconvenience. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the most most divorced dad thing in the world, right? Boris Johnson played by Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) There's a four-year-old kid. He's trying to fuck my wife. (laughs) Boris Johnson played by Mark Wahlberg, subbing in for Donald Trump somehow. (laughs) (laughs) So, now, we jump perspectives again, because... If there's a hallmark of good writing, it's the more perspectives, the better. Um, So, we are now in an American motorcade. American war veteran Jason Pickle. (laughs) Okay, 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 hold up, hold up. up. Now, that is a fucking British name, all right? That is a goddamn British name. It's Eric Pickle's distant cousin. Sergeant Sergeant Pickle. Are we, are we, here is the most, here is the, look, everything before this has been 70% divorced. This is, this is the 100% divorced line of this book. 
American war veteran Jason Pickle looked out of his window and was startled to see a trio of English children aged no more than 11 or 12 spit roasting his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Leering in at him from the side of the road, they were thugged up in gray tracksuits with hoods. (laughs) And they gave him an enthusiastic two-finger salute. This is like the most mid-2000s dad book as well. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, I, this is like the type of so I, you know um, this is this is like the type of mentality which got a bunch of like middle class parents from Kent to ban tracksuits in the shopping center. Yeah, and he's written it into an action novel where racial profiling causes an attack on Parliament that this old fat divorced white man single handedly prevents with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> um, he looked over the rest of the protest against the American president. Quote. I guess those guys wish Saddam was still in power. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Get some! Those damn, those damn children with tracksuits disrespecting me, I bet they love Saddam. <laughs> British teenagers love three things. Blackberry Messenger, Nando's, and the bath party. <laughs> <laughs> Here and there across the crowd, these bleats were turning into an anti-American chorus, and it took the American back to the rhythms of the cretinous songs the Iraqis sang to the adulation of their dictator. Yeah, I hate it when I hate it when the Iraqis. Like, I, I hate it. I hate it when the the Iraqis all like sing limp biscuits roll. <laughs> so, so let, let's just review the range of forces arrayed against Boris Johnson right now. Parking wardens, his son, his horny son, <laughs> children in tracksuits being disrespectful, um, brown people who are all Arab, even though they're from Pakistan. Mm. <laughs> and one of them is Welsh, just to add insult to injury. <laughs> and, and a guy who's stopping him from bringing his bike into a building. Yeah, and a security guard who won't give him special treatment. <laughs> I have long accepted that I'll probably be killed by an Arab, but I refuse to be bested by a Welshman. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that's a line in the book. Anyway, um, here the book takes a turn for the horny. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, I was wondering when we'd revisit that old town road. (laughs) American Cameron McLean looked like a character in a hairspray ad. (laughs) With glossy evangelical skin and lustrous eyes. Because yes, evangelicals are famous for anything. It's their skincare. Yeah. I I also Also, like if he looks like a character from a hairspray ad. He looks like a woman. Have you ever seen a hairspray ad with a man in it? No. (laughs) (laughs) She was twenty-four, full of energy and optimism, and had the dubious honor of being Rogers. Sorry, it is a woman. I was misled. I was misled by the name. I forgot that in America you can just give any person any name, and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Not for the first time, Barlow was seriously impressed by her efficiency. If his memory served him right, and he kept a vague eye on her romantic career, she'd been off in Brussels last night, but she was here for him in less than five minutes. Very divorced. Wait, so he's developed a sort of Domino's pizza tracker, but for, like, her ovulation cycle. Back in America, when she studied at Rochester University, in the run-up to the war in Iraq, she'd stuck a poster on her dorm saying, let's bomb France. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why Rochester? Why? Many it's a very, like, 1944 poster. 
many American colleges were, were rebaptizing French fries freedom fries, but she wanted to do one better. In honor of Tony Blair, she said Rochester should just call him Chips. He's, a, he, he's extremely horny for an imaginary Tommy Lauren, essentially. <laughs> Tommy Lauren is stuck in upstate New York, and it's, it's like really, really into calling things just being an Anglophile. <laughs> I also love that, like, because Boris Johnson's going through so many intellectual, like, stages here that he's gotten to the point where in order to, like, like an American person, that American person has to like Tony Blair, someone who Boris Johnson hates. But the people that Boris Johnson hates in America hate Tony Blair. So in that context, Boris, jo- Boris Johnson supports Tony Blair. I didn't know you were going to do a Brendan article. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Before she arrived in London, she had presumed that if Barlow was a real Tory, he'd be sound, he'd be staunch, he'd stand full square and broad-beamed in favor of family values and the rest of it. But, <laughs> I'm but, in favor of family values. That's why everyone in my family fucks my wife. <laughs> but once, she'd written a rather fierce letter to a constituent of Roger Boris, if not exactly consigning the man an IT consultant, to licking tongues of hellfire for asking if his same-sex union be recognized, then at least making it pretty clear that she, or Roger Barlow, on whose name appeared in the letter, thought of the whole project. To her amazement, he had crossed out and written, good on you, matey, go ahead. Frankly, I don't care why the state should object to the union between three men and a dog, or, other, or two men otherwise. Yours sincerely. <laughs> Something which I'm currently working on. Again. So, so what he's saying is, uh, is he, his, he's upset that the Tories aren't homophobic enough and they need someone from America no, to get really saying, mad about it. What he's saying is, look at me. Look how great I am. I'm Boris Johnson. I don't care if you're black, white, or purple. If you're, if you're gay, you can marry a man or a dog for all it's I care. It's the same thing. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, liberal Toryism. Listen. Great. Awesome. We love it. We've all fucked a dog. <laughs> I'm in no position to judge. However... However, that's the statue of Winston Churchill talking, <laughs> which has been watching disapprovingly this whole time. This, this is... That's what he had under that coat. This is part one of Roger Boris Johnson's book, 72 Virgins, and we look forward to reading more of it in the future. Whew, that was quite something, right? Well, you ain't heard nothing yet. Here is part two of Boris Johnson's book, recorded in studio some months later with friend of the show, Aiden Taco Jones. And I, needless to say, if you want to get rid of this person who is prime minister, the best thing you can do is register to vote. Details of how to do that will be in the show notes. I cannot stress enough that the only way to make it so the person who wrote this book does not control your life is to register to vote and vote him out. So time for part two of Boris Johnson's book, 72 Virgins. Oh, I've been waiting oh, for this. Look, the, the, the plot is a gossamer thin web. Um, it's not really that important. Mm. Uh, so just to catch everyone up, um, oh, how Roger, Barlow, Roger Barlow, mm. a uh, transparent stand-in for Boris Johnson, um, has cycled to the House of Commons to see the American president give a speech at the same time for, and it cannot be emphasized enough in this book, Muslim mm. terrorists, uh, one of whom is from Birmingham and called Dean. The other is Welsh and called Jones because they've been radicalized. Right. Well, also, um, it's Welsh. So it still has to be called Jones. <laughs> have managed to slip a stolen ambulance to the cordon to pull off some kind of attack and mm. in so doing have killed a traffic warden. Real it's, mischievous it's, Saracen hours. Yeah. It's mm. so crazy that you said to me before that this seems like it's it, like immediately trying to be 
P.G. Woodhouse, but that is the most, like, that is the least irreverent, rompish plot I've ever heard in my- Like, P.G. Mm-hmm. Woodhouse would never be like, they're trying to bomb the White no, House. There would, there I would think be like that- a maiden aunt who you would have to avoid having yeah. tea with or something. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So, in, in trying to be the action version of P.G. Woodhouse, like, okay. I think the whole thing gets stopped when, like, they're about to bomb the president, but then, you know, the Boris Johnson character turns around with a two-by-four and accidentally brains yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. It's, like, uh, it's that kind of thing. It's like, like four lions, but a really racist version. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yes, well, Like exactly. Dan Brown with pratfalls. Yes. <laughs> so, and this is actually from a review. While writing the book, Johnson said he was, quote, terrified that it would come across as a, page- a pale imitation of P.G. Woodhouse and Evelyn Waugh. I don't know. Two right. of his favorite risk, authors. Man. Yeah. I think Amazing. it's a pale imitation of a, of a book. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's such I'm an also- interview technique of what do you think your biggest weakness is. Well, some people yeah, think that totally. I sound too much like P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Having a huge ponderous dick. I keep knocking stuff over <laughs> yeah, with it. It's ponderous. so large that I struggle to get through doorways. I, I However, also, I, I, I enjoy that he didn't name his main character Joris Bonson. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. So, uh, we're going to explore two different and three if there's time vignettes from this book. Okay. Um, the one of which is the story of Dean, uh, the black country terrorist. Um, and then the second of which... Where's the comma in that phrase? <laughs> uh, oddly enough, Milo, <laughs> Boris, yes! Boris's book is racist enough that because this character is uh, Anglo-Caribbean, he's frequently referred to as a, quote, half-caste. Of oh, my course. God. Uh, yeah. uh, because he's again. only semi-employed at the local production theatre. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish it were so. Unfortunately, mm. it's the racist version. Okay, Roll sure. Dean. I mean, only half of him is made of liquid metal. Justin Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, yes. Yeah, so this is this is the this is Boris Johnson's theory of change because like, he has smuggled in his most like psychotic ideas into this allegedly uh, light-hearted romp of a novel. Um, so here is Boris Johnson's backstory for Dean. Uh, this is being rec- remembered as they're sneaking into Parliament to. Um, to blow some stuff up. Also, oh, since when has there ever been a Caribbean Islamic terrorist? <laughs> well, this that kind of defeatism is not going to be like, 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 like <laughs> the, 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 the of Trinidad and Again, yeah. Milo, that's that's the kind of thing that Boris Johnson came up with on vacation because he wrote this over the space of a single holiday and said, "Oh, I'll make the the jihadist terrorist Anglo Anglo Caribbean. Everyone's going to get a kick out of that. Don't laugh at the things he wants you to laugh at. That's the trap." Abu uh-huh. Bakr Al Sean Pauly. So, life had been tough for Dean ever since that. Fi- By the way, it's awfully written. Terrible. You I'm trying say. to make as much sense of it as I can. Did you say he remembers this while they're trying to break yeah. in somewhere? What he has yes. like a little like a soliloquy. Yeah, it's like a Proust thing, but written by mm. someone who is way worse. Yeah. <laughs> the first sniff of like fucking um, uh, fertilizer yeah. sends him back. Yeah. So, so life had been tough for Dean ever since that dreadful night in Wensbury. The magistrates had grasped pretty clearly what had happened, and in some ways were even sympathetic, but he was still convicted in a juvenile court of arson and sentenced to 400 hours of community service. It was claimed that Dean had destroyed Price's Cheese Lab, which was on the verge of making a new kind of hard cheese, dense, nutty, and fissile as Parmesan. Haven't we done that on the podcast? (laughs) Yes, we... We've, we've destroyed a cheese lab on No, 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 I mean, as in, haven't we reviewed that? MIT <laughs> cheese lab was shut down very quickly. <laughs> yeah, the cheese lab was given a valuation of $47 billion by SoftBank, <laughs> and then only so later did they realize yeah. they were 
only only later yeah. do they realize they just leased all of their Reddit. <laughs> Turned out all their money was anonymous donations from one Jay Epstein. <laughs> so, Dean Dean then left school, his record completely unblemished by achievement, and fell in with a bad crowd while performing his community service. I bet he thought that was such a fucking clever line, unblemished yeah, with Yeah, unblemished achievement. by absolute. Mm. I was just thinking yeah. that. That's, that's such fucking cod- like Churchillian, ah, his record completely unblemished by achievement. Y- yeah, yeah, and that, and that was like that was like his one <clears throat> thing to hold up the rest of the chapter. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. that chapter's great. That's it's such a that tent one pole thing. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a tent. <laughs> we ate it, but then he fell in with a bad crowd while performing his community service. It was Damn. a soft job, just scraping graffiti off of gravestones. But every night, when Who's the graffiti and gravestones. Well, we find out. Graveyard banks. Every night when the cemetery was locked, Dean and his fellow community service conflicts convicts, Wayne and Polly. He's never been to the East End. He's trying to write East End characters. They're from Birmingham. Okay, there we go. Wayne and Polly would shimmy over the gate, have some drugs. This is one drug place. Time when you could just name a character something like Wayne Crimes, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Shimmy over the gate, have some drugs, and then, like Penelope on her loom, they would busily oh, undo the work off. of the day. Uh, <laughs> it's a Greek Christ. mythology reference. Yes. Yeah. It's, Jesus. Yeah. It's, not even, it's she w- not even relevant. It. <sighs> no, because mm. Boris Johnson, when he's when he's writing working class characters who are invariably criminal, or mm. just um making sort of side bets on one another about how many Korans are in ambulances around the UK, <laughs> which again mm. they do in heavily overwritten accented English. Amazing. Um, that he always has to- like a fucking McKinsey interview question, like, <laughs> how many Korans do you think are in ambulances but what, in the UK? But what, what Boris Johnson always has to do is insert a classical reference or some Latin or whatever, yeah. so you remember it's, that he's not a dumb it's, it's, it, yeah. I believe nice. the, yeah, the yeah, Greeks had a word for this called pathos. <laughs> no, it's a raff and a doe. When you insert a gravestone into another man's anus. But also, I mean, yeah. when Woodhouse inserted like French words italicized into his books, it was like making fun of that shit. Yes. Like, rather Worst, than actually Percy doing Worcester it. Worcester would he was say a something cunt. like, uh, I don't know, savoir faire not having any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in effect, Boris Johnson, in attempting to imitate the style of P.G. Woodhouse, accidentally imitated the style of Bertie Wooster. <laughs> <laughs> He's fascist Bertie Wooster. We've got well, it. I mean, Meta. he does have one thing in common with Woodhouse, which is that they both have done Nazi propaganda. Hmm. Boris so, Johnson watches Al Murray, the pub landlord, and is like, how does he find the time to run that pub? <laughs> he's doing all this. So, so he says, uh, they would shimmy over the gate, have some drugs, and then, like Penelope with her loom, they would busily undo the work of the day because they did not want to be moved onto something harder, like scraping the gum. Like a hundred suitors. Oh, so, <laughs> they, so he's saying they graffitied all the gravestones. Yes. And you're supposed to sympathize with these characters. Well, hang on. Here was the mossy tomb of Hannah, the beloved wife of Tobias Horton, departed this world in the year of grace, 1869. SCMU, wrote Dean. He meant to write scum, but he was too stoned on drugs that dyslexia was added to his troubles. (laughs) Oh, my God. He was was too blazed on heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Shooting poppers into his eyeballs. 
<laughs> he has more troubles. I want to yeah. know who this Dean is and what his other troubles are. Saying SCA, that's like a typo. That's not something you yes. would do if you were physically writing something. Skamoo. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> look, Boris. Jo- look, the thing is about the thing you have to remember about Boris Johnson is this is revealing his utter contempt for most people who yeah. live in the country. Well, well, I was also, in the Bullington like, Club. All of our graffiti was exquisite. <laughs> mm. he, he thinks when he goes down a train line and sees like the the acronyms that people write, he's like, "Oh, poor things, they've misspelled Euripides." He <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually spelled skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> um, after a year of drifting around and rejecting every solution that his adoptive father Dennis could offer, Dean was, as some politicians like to put it, "Fuck you, Boris." <laughs> I, I hate you writing yourself into this as some politicians like to put it, on the conveyor belt to crime. But you could not really say that the state had failed young Dean for a lack of resources. Here's oh where... Oh, my God. Here, They're giving oh. him this fantastic educational job, cleaning graffiti off of gravestones, enabling him to become graveyard Banksy. He was painting, like, snogging policemen on the gravestones. <laughs> That's how he got started. Here's the next paragraph, Isn't which is... is meant to be entertainment, though? Uh, yes, it is. And here's the next paragraph is basically all big laugh lines. So do let me get through it. Mm. Sick. If a heartless politician were to engage in gratuitous political point scoring, he might note that Dean was cared for by a substance abuse, outre- abuse outreach worker at £25,000 per year, a crime prevention detached youth project worker at £31,000 per year, a, bur- a burglary reduction worker at £23,000 per year, <laughs> a, 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 probation, a probation officer at £26,000 per year, a vehicle fe- theft reduction worker at £28,000 per year plus cars and a representative of dispel a, st- a state-funded body that sees to the needs of dyslexic young offenders at 36,000 pounds aren't just burglary and vehicle theft second. reduction officers just the police Th- isn't that, that what the police that are for? too but like all of well, the no they're not all of the social work like th- uh, phantoms that he's invented uh, my partner actually does one of those not the probation officer one i hasten to add Makes considerably less than thirty six grand a year, and also the entire project just got shut down by Glasgow City Council. So, yeah, and because all, all because there's all too it, much crime. There's nothing to be done because <laughs> all it, all, it, all it did was invest money in that kid who kept yeah, vandalizing exactly. the gravestone. And and it, it, it didn't the, even and teach him to spell better on the graffiti. Uh-huh. And also, uh, he's acting like all of those people are just focused on, like, this kid's costing the state £300,000 a year. It's like, no, those people all have full-time jobs with portfolios of also, fucking people. Also, it's in an action comedy book that's supposed to be re- remem- like mm. reminiscent of P.G. Yeah, Woodhouse. Yeah, it's so irreverent. the Houses of Parliament at this point. <laughs> we, we spent hundreds of guineas sending all of, these, <laughs> spending all, sending all of these criminals on a free holiday to Australia, and what have they done but beat us at cricket? It shows how we should have hung them all. The fucking didactic uh, excursion in the text, like he's the fucking Emil Zola. Jesus Christ. It's the catalogue of ships, but instead it's the catalogue of the nanny state. This is like, this actually is prose below the level of something Gianfranco Zola could write. (laughs) I can't believe he didn't have a little, like a small little one here with a thing to a suffix at the back of the book about how like reading material can be (laughs) obtained from the UK government website. articles. Damn, so edgy. So... No single person really took an intelligent interest in Dean until one day some liberal genius in the home office Oh my uh, god Here's where it is came up with the fresh start scheme So oh, if we, sick This is where Boris Johnson actually anticipates arguments about universal basic income and counters them with the following 
The Fresh Start scheme was a move evoking the excesses of 1970s Sweden. The idea was that they should all be given <laughs> all freedom. Like, what decadence did they bring us other than ABBA? And like, <laughs> These point people weird sobs. There so. is nothing. They will stop up nothing. They so. were eating a raw fish from a can. <laughs> they, they must be stooped. What the idea was. was that? <laughs> <laughs> a bad one. Like <laughs> so, the idea was that all three of them should be given a £10,000 fresh start fund at the expense of the taxpayer. Wayne, Polly, and Dean could hardly believe their luck. They immediately rented a large house where they lived in scenes of unremitting squalor. They relieved the sudden tedium of affluence with drink and drugs, bought an orange Vauxhall Astra, which they ineffectively souped up and rammed through the window of Wright Price in Bilston. Like, this is supposed to be a fun little romp through um, through some daring do of a, yeah, because, of a blustery... Yeah, because County's dads are yeah. supposed to, like, nod at this and think, well, yeah. it, it, it does be like that, as the kids say. Yes. Well, you know, also, it you says get- a lot about his because pers- I don't think you can buy an orange Vauxhall Astra. I don't think they sell them in orange. I think you would have to literally paint it yourself well, also, if you wanted an orange Vauxhall Astra. Who the fuck is renting Astra. a house to these people if they're such scumbags? Isn't it, isn't it mm. wild that he's trying so hard tie to meet my landlord and like pretend <laughs> to be like a minor nobility? <laughs> really, yeah. I was just in like a like a, like a shimmering ball gown, mm. just being like, "Oh, I ever so mm. love the bedsit." He's trying so it. hard to like describe what's wrong with these people's lives, and when he goes, uh, "What did he say?" Something about uh, the boredom of affluence, yes, like the unbur- they relieved the sudden tedium of affluence with drink and drugs. It's like he's clearly making absolutely no effort to understand why he's just going. Oh well, they don't like being rich because they're bored of it. It's like no, sh- surely there's a different reason why people do those things that. That you don't understand, well, no. and he's making no fucking effort whatsoever Bor- to understand why someone might do that. Boris, Boris Johnson's worldview is that there is a group of people who are like the leisure class, the aristocracy, or the wealthy who are responsible guardians of wealth, and that everyone else basically needs to be kept busy with a job, yeah, or they're just they're going to cause crimes. chaos. Yeah, mm. yeah. Otherwise, they just tar- if if you don't keep the working class employed, if you d- make sure you don't force them to work as much as possible, then what they're going to do is they're just going to sort of their eyes are going to unfocus, and then they're going to yeah. start thinking of like start all the different track suits everywhere. Huge bazongas. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to inject cocaine into their eyes and then crash a car Which into is your right nan's house. Well, I wonder what he would say though if you put that to him. If you put that line to him and and said, "Look at how cynical this description of someone is that people do crimes because they just can't." handle being rich that's what that line literally yes. lays out in front of you and if you put that what the fuck could he say to that like what could you fucking say to that Piffle. you wrote Poppy this fucking bookie <laughs> piece of shit yeah he'd mm. he'd mutter probably and then try to make another sort of wrong latin analogy yeah, and, yeah. and make some like cartoonish lie like something really outlandish Oh, Tempero Mores, you, what you have to understand is the working class, when they get rich, they suffer from boredom, which is very dangerous, whereas the upper class, when we're rich, which is all the time, we suffer from ennui, <laughs> uh, which makes you do things like, you know, go to go to Burma and, uh, you know, get a, get a local girl pregnant or something, and, uh, uh, write, a, write a book of poetry about, uh, you know, Phoenician princes who fondle young boys and then uh, die of sepsis on a, on a boat on your way to fight in 
some sort of Greek civil war. That's the sort of thing that being rich to the upper class does. Whereas the young people, you know, they just buy these um, these vehicles that are in silly colours and they, they crash them into the pound shops. <laughs> 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 so the three of them then were compelled for another half-baked government policy to work at the right price that they rammed to earn back the damage that they did. Damn, irony. But- they were, of course, spared prison because they were worried it might be bad for them. <laughs> they crashed a car into Poundland and did 80 pounds worth of damage. <laughs> so, the whole store was destroyed. <laughs> so if we have step one of home counties, dad stops laughing and just nods vigorously mm-hmm. in agreement. Mm. Here's step two of home counties. Dad does the same thing. Step two, cut a hole in the box. <laughs> the three of them. Now, this is. There's a little bit of uh, Milo just doing the thing. He was like, yeah, Family Guy. I remember that. No, so, that's not, it's not no, Family it's not Guy. Family it's Saturday guy, Night Live, which is, if anything, worse. <laughs> uh, so we, this, is, this is a little bit of a long burn one, but it is another thing that Home County's dads think. <laughs> if you're burned mm. over for, the six, next few, for six over or the, more hours, see your doctor. Yes. <laughs> over, <laughs> the, deep on your over the next few days, um, uh, uh, Dean started looking more closely at Vanessa, who worked at one of the tills. Though he and Polly argued about this to begin with, she was at least as pretty as the girls in the Daily Star with their tits out. <sighs> Bashfully, Dean would buy her chocolates at the till with his own money, and ching ching, he would present them to her. One <laughs> night in the pub, he poured forth his life story the misery of his experience with his foster family, the burning of prices, Chisorium, the tragic ram raid. He couldn't believe how much she wanted to know about him, how saddened she was by the details of his shocking finances ear vanessa said dean who was fairly sure he was on the right lines has anyone ever told you how lovely you are oh dean said vanessa that's really really sweet Van- i've got a brand new combine shut up vanessa said dean knitting his fingers i love you then of course uh, she blanks him and then fucks his more attractive friend Polly and he walks in on them in the stockroom. Damn, Damn. Dude that's kill fucking that. hot. Until of course, <laughs> until it turns out that Vanessa was not as she seemed. She and, was his stepmom the whole time. <laughs> and this, it comes out. It comes out with this when Polly brings in a copy of the Guardian, which Boris takes care to point out is not usually read by the likes of him. Um, there was this long article by someone called Lucy Goodbody called Breadline Britain. Lucy Goodbody. Lucy. One of the many people Boris Johnson has employed as a trade envoy. <laughs> it, was all, it was called Breadline Britain, and it was all about being a checkout girl in a shop in Wolverhampton and how tough it was. He looked at the picture byline. That wasn't Lucy Goodbody. That was the girl he knew as Vanessa. What's this bollocks, he read with mounting despair, Lucy Goodbody's account of his life in Right Price, Wolverhampton. It seemed they were among some of the lowest paid workers in Britain, and according to Lucy Goodbody, all hated their jobs. But that's not true, thought Dean. He liked his job, even if it didn't pay very well. I thought they were making him work there because of his, like, UBI. Yeah. I like the job. It's making me better. I'm bettering myself by learning about ordering yeah. the sweets on the right pegs. Yeah. I'm actually the man who comes in who manages the shop in the top hat, says hello to me every morning, and gives me a farthing. It's, it's, and it's, I spend it on cigarettes and heroin. It's, it's the one <laughs> between Wayne Crimes and Wayne Jobs. 
So yeah. there's the thing. There, there's the second thing that Home County's dad's not along Which is with. Scottish for child crimes. Yeah, and child the, these, these guardian, these guardian writers patronizing the lower classes yeah. don't have their best interests at heart. They don't yeah. understand that they actually like being scum on the bottom of my boot. <laughs> yeah, they, li- they like it. They're power bottoms in the political sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, goal right, for so this for this episode is by the end of it, at least one of you will have figured out what a fucking power bottom is. <laughs> Isn't, isn't uh, that just where you generate quite a bit of the power by moving up and down from the bottom? Powerbottoms are hydroelectric. <laughs> Typical Moscow get... descent of shitty equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, yeah, that's the second thing, which is uh, the Guardians, when they talk about working conditions, are just talking down to the people actually in those jobs. Mm. Oh, wait, an idea for a new startup. How about uh, robot sex dolls, but with like a friction power generator inside the vagina. So when you fuck it, you generate enough power to, you know, like run your small business or whatever. I get one Welcome, of those welcome to the MIT Media Lab. <laughs> Birmingham now being powered by horniness alone. <laughs> so... Um, in a horrible, in a horrible case of crossed wires, this goes to the MIT cheese lab, and you have to power all your <laughs> shit by just fucking a big block of Edam. <laughs> to my shame and embarrassment, recorded Lucy Goodbody, young Dave, stand in for Dean, is developing a crush on me. He uses any excuse he can to come to my till and buys me presents he cannot afford. So that evening, well, like sweets, and so she that writes evening, that in the Guardian. <laughs> well, because again, is this a diary? <laughs> Loser, cuck. I'm gonna cuck him to teach so, him a lesson. That afternoon, that afternoon, Dean did something really stupid. It occurred to him that he knew where the Guardian was based. It was just down the road, or at least it must have been a branch because it had a big black and white sign over the shop front saying "The Guardian Stroke the Observer." No, <laughs> it was down the road in that London. Yes, yeah, it was down the road in this shop run by a Pakistani man who I'm convinced was the editor of the. Guardian. Audience. So then that luckless news agents went the way of Price's cheese lab. Dean was then remanded to Her Majesty's Young Offenders Institution at Feltham, and then two weeks later he discovered Islam in prison. Oh That's my one wait, 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 wait. So they're saying that this guy is so stupid that he's like firebombed some like poor Indian guy's corner shop because he believes it to be the head office of the Guardian, <laughs> yes. and now he's in jail for a hate crime. Yes. Oh my <sighs> god. <sighs> But at and, least and so, he discovers and, Islam in prison. So that's the happy know. ending. Damn. What's what's uh Boris Johnson trying to what what's his aim in this? Are we supposed to sympathize with Dean? No. Well uh, because he didn't know, so we're supposed to think yeah, like he, he, well, he, he didn't mean a member of to the commit a hate crime. Races, and as such, he has to yeah. be guided to make better yeah. decisions by becoming Wayne Jobs instead of Wayne Crimes. So, Basically, exactly. if you think about it, so far Boris Johnson's theory of change is um, that there was that a liberal reporter came to sneer at the poor for the Guardian, then cockteased the Virgin Dean who was in this job because a series of coddling government programs didn't just whip him into shape when they had the chance. But then she fucked his friend Polly, who was a Chad. So Dean turned to radical Islam in prison because he was pissed. He took it out on the Chad corner shop. So <laughs> essentially, essentially. Uh, Boris Johnson is being like, hmm, all of these metropolitan liberal cultural values are trying to replace everyone with Muslims by making them degenerated. It's almost like it's a great replacement theory, you could say. Oh, it's a, it's I an would average like to, to know. Poor replacement at best. 
I'm, I would like to know, and I'm quite disappointed that Boris Johnson didn't describe any of the physical attributes of the lady. Because how am I supposed to know, like you know, whether it was hot when he fucked when she fucked yeah. the chat? How how quite is shackable for a leftist? Mm. How is that? Re- how is the red faced fat home county's dad supposed to have a good anger crank to the yeah. idea of a Guardian <laughs> reporter daring to yeah, question you, you the order of things? You just get a copy of the Guardian and look at the headshots because then you'd have to buy it. Exactly. exactly. So, Why is there no page three in the Guardian? We, that's what I would like to know. That would have. It's like that's yeah. that's kind of Boris Wait. Johnson's solution for present, preventing the radicalization of young people. Her surname was Goodbody though, which is some incredibly like Roger Moore era oh, Bond film mm-hmm. shit. You're so, right. Pussy galore in her Guardian column. So <laughs> just uh, just see all want to know. Gaze into my own future there. <laughs> do, we, do we all want to know what the prison imam preached? Please. Oh God, no. I'm holding up my one finger as I do this. <laughs> you either, <laughs> you either die Wayne Crimes or you live long enough to see yourself become Wayne Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, then he becomes Wayne Jihad. Oh, damn. Yeah, again, if we don't, if we if we don't keep the working class of Britain whipped into shape, given tough medicine and kept in jobs all the time, then they're going to go from Wayne Crimes to Wayne Sorry, Jihad. Sorry, was this fucking published? Like, was this serialized in Inspire magazine? Because this does seem to suggest that if the poor's only discover the abiding light of Islam, they'll be able to, like, uh, wage war and, like, overthrow their oppressors, right? Boris mm. Johnson writing for Debeek. I must less. say, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm quite poor and I've been carried away on the energy of this romp. <laughs> I'm finding it irreverent. Just, just hoping so. that we can kind of convert everyone to Islam in this one. Okay, I've got one finger up now. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm saying what the prison imam said. Britain is a society of divorce and adultery. <laughs> yeah, we live in one of those. We live in one just of just those. We're actually with Boris Johnson in it. Makeup. Where women are taught not to respect their own bodies, said the imam. Yeah, Dean felt sick at the thought of Vanessa writhing on the floor in the stock room. 35%- She was also epileptic. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to mention that part. 35% of women in Britain have been abused, said the imam. Usually by someone known to them. In the Muslim religion, usually women- by one of us, am I right, lads? Uh, <laughs> usually by help, someone known to them. Those numbers up to 30 or, five <laughs> or 40%. In the Muslim region, women are to be loved and respected and not treated like a piece of meat. Yeah, Dean thought, this resonated with him. Vanessa stroke Lucy Goodbody, the very name now on provocation of rage, um, and how she treated her own sexuality. He thought how she had obviously liked the piece of meat approach and shuddered in horror. Um, uh, Shudder with horror and desire and incomprehension. Wait, so, so Boris Johnson, incel shit. This He's, guy's an MRA. Yes, Boris yeah. Johnson wrote a book about how, about like why incel incel dem- yeah. is basically explicable. Wait. Why women are to blame for men hating them, and why the working class need to be more or less policed all the time, or they'll become lazy criminals, stroke Muslims. But Boris Johnson is saying that like being too horny makes you a Muslim terrorist. By well, which I mean, same. <laughs> by which logic, Boris Johnson should be Abu Bakr Al Bag <laughs> Boris. <laughs> um, so, uh, when he left Feltham six months later, there were all kinds of outreach workers ready for him, but Dean was now firmly on a different conveyor belt altogether. I like mm. that uh, that um, in Boris Johnson's imagined Britain, MRAs and, and Muslims can actually get, they're like the same people, you know? Mm. But there's a kind of reconciliation to that that I think is quite hopeful. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. optimistic. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, my, my, my Some people are getting is- along. Of the stuff that he put, yes, of, Alice. of the words that he puts in the like Joker makeup in Mom's mouth, what does he actually, like Boris? I mean, disagree with? Because we heard um, him talking about the like slags in the Daily Star or whatever. 
you know, it's, I'll tell you exactly what Boris disagrees with is Boris thinks that when Brit- British men do it, it's like a carry on film. Mm-hmm. But when Muslim men do it, it's that, the that's news and why we have to go to war. Yeah. It's yeah. The news. It'd be grooming yeah, gangs are actually just gangs. a kind of more grissy reboot of the carry on franchise. Somewhere <laughs> I mean, there's an according- underappreciated Muslim Sid James. It would seem that for in Boris Johnson's imagination, yes. Just delightful, just like chasing women around in fast motion. <laughs> Damn. Boris Johnson's got like an amazing fantasy world of the Middle East under Western rule where it's all just like women in burqas, but their bras are just like pinging off and hitting people in the face. <laughs> M- Mus- the Muslim world is so oppressive to LGBT people. If you're gay in a Muslim country, the only thing you can do is the Kenneth Williams roles. right so this is if you're if you are british um chances are this is what boris johnson thinks of you Hmm. realistically yeah Yeah. because if you're not one of his scum or like wayne crimes if you're not one of his bullington friends this is what he thinks of you if you're a woman this is how he thinks you have to act or other people are going to react to you like this this is basically like if you want to know Boris Johnson's politics, if you want to know like what he really thinks, then look at what he's writing. Well, he's trying to be funny and relatable. Yeah. What are the other people? Are there any uh, like what about the home county's dads? Because they're nodding along at this, but he also probably thinks of them. Oh, totally. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any other like affluent characters in the book or anything? Oh, I'm sure. I I mean, honestly, this is probably one of the most disjointed pieces of writing I've ever read. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're about much to talk like about the it. Quran, it only really yeah. makes sense in the original Arabic. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, no one thinks they're working class anymore, whereas in reality, Boris Johnson considers anyone who went to rugby school or lower to be working class. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the next character, which is Boris Johnson's uh, female perspective character, oh, Cameron McLean, oh, his she, research she, she, assistant. She bounced boobily down the stairs with her breasts. Oh, she, <laughs> bounces, she bounces very frequently boobily with her breasts, breastily. Oh, I just then, realized that she we... sat down her pussy. <laughs> All right, hold on. I, we have, may I have to be, do we... more caliphate shit and get myself another bit. <laughs> <laughs> we may be infringing on some of the IP of uh, my dad wrote a porno by doing this podcast. No, this is this isn't my dad wrote a porno. This is like, this is my dad wrote <laughs> my prime minister my dad wrote, wrote a, a manifesto. No, this, is, this is my dad wrote a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So let's talk about Cameron McLean, uh, the booby research assistant who's always sitting down in her pussy and knocking stuff over with her ass and being like, "Oh, I'm too wet. I forgot." <laughs> she keeps dropping the pencil. I'm too wet. I forgot. I, I'm just um, surprised her name isn't more of an entendre. Like. I mean, it sort of is mm. for, an, for a British person, I think, where it's so American, you're like, wow, she must be so she American be so and liberated. free. Yeah. Mm. So Barlow's sexy American researcher who's developing a crush not on him, but on a young professor Damn. Uh, and also reflecting on a relationship with men in general. I think this is also very illuminating. Uh, and yet, apart from from Roger Barlow's absent-minded attentions, Cameron's eight months in England had been an unremitting tale of tepidity, frustration, and let's be brutal, flaccidity. Sick. She's not. Wait, she's not been able to get it up the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it happens with the Eastradial. I mean, <laughs> was there no man in this goddamn country who wanted to take her firmly in his arms and give a girl the time of day? No, because Britain <sighs> is pussies now, and like, if, if we were chads, then we would like keep up yeah. with the hot American girls. Yeah, absolutely. 
Sometimes, at her most vulnerable, she would even open her mind to the possibility that, sob, it was something to do with her. Which was absurd, because ever since she was a tiny little girl, she'd been told how beautiful she was. Um, <laughs> she fondly family holidays to Little St. James Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, just, it's um, another, another little insight into Boris Johnson's mind. Uh, walk around telling ch- child, with, child girls that they're hot. Damn, yeah. Mm. Child it's women. Gonna, no, don't worry. They might have a moment of self, a crisis of self-confidence later on in life, and if you tell them they're sexy when they're 12, then maybe they'll remember and feel better about themselves. Yeah, absolutely. No, officer, yelling at I was you doing on the feminism. Street, just like trying to do, help you do self-care later in life. Mm. Sometimes she began to worry that she was going to lose it altogether. Not her virginity, obviously, but her initiate status. Perhaps her hymen would actually regrow. Wow. So this, this, you know, this, this virgin joke that he's weaving through everything, I... Which is very deftly, by the way, is mm-hmm. such MRA shit, though, right? Yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. Mm. At one just, point, just going up to the babies in the maternity unit and just whispering, "You're going to be so fucking." Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to never forget, never forget what a fucking piece of ass you're going to grow up to be. <laughs> one day, if someone turns you down, just remember you're just you're just like you're just a hot little slut. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> Can we have Doctor Casfani um, back in to just do the shot <laughs> on them instead? At one. Uh-huh. At one point, she even seriously Such a Muslim little bitch. <laughs> she seriously considered an affair with Roger himself, the Boris Johnson stand-in yeah. character. Oh, but then she realized she would never live up to his high standards. Yeah. Um, once you got well, uh, odd, oddly enough, Taco, you're right. Oh yeah. Once Christ. you got over the nicotine stains teeth and that goofy sense of humor, there was something vaguely compelling oh. about Barlow. Once you got over mm. all of the things that really made him so charming, mm. there was actually charm underneath his charm. That mm. gaunt face, the brown eyes that seem perpetually amused, the beer drinker's thatch. I don't know what that is. Uh, she it, it, like a pubes, type of roof. His pubes have become like, <laughs> infested because he drinks too much. Yeah. <laughs> Matted. Yeah, she gets like a weird taken. rosacea, but only in the pubes. <laughs> She'd briefly taken to walking into his office and staring at him, but he hadn't seemed to notice, <laughs> and so she gave up. What? Yeah, because that's how <laughs> like women express Children of the attraction. corn style. Yeah, yeah. just kind She's of. She's like just... an inch from his face. Obviously, she needed an alpha male. She needed an authority figure to supplant her father, of course. What the fuck? Does it say that? Yes. Oh my God. I added, of course, but it said the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An authority figure to supplant her father. She needed a stepfather. (laughs) Now that dad's not here to fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, uh, but she had concluded that she needs someone who is both the same as and opposite to her father. And Professor Adam Swallow surely fitted the bill. Adam Swallow. <laughs> okay, so a power boss in this went. <laughs> yeah. He needed someone to swallow her pride. He had a bust of Dante. He read a philosopher called Adorno. He went traveling to unexpected places, and in an elegant hand, he recorded his like thoughts the on the pages of leather-bound notebooks. He was furious about the treatment of Palestinians and resented America for a crass attempt to reconfigure with bombs and dollars the Muslim mentality and to impose democracy on societies that neither wanted nor understood the concept. I love how he's even managing to make the uh, like the liberal professor guy into a guy who also believes that like the Arabs are all hogs. Yeah, my liberal academic Dr. Straw Man is like, <laughs> has, some very, like, has some very progressive opinions, in fact, about the Arab brain pan. 
<laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, like just a brief aside. Yes, impose democracy on societies in which what, like, Bathist parties have largely been propped up by America for forty years. Yeah, just uh, over the mm. pile of like mm. dead socialists and Democrats being like, why don't these people like democracy? Damn. Mm. Gamal Abdel, who, sir? <laughs> yeah. No, democracy Democracy is when we elect your president. <laughs> I will say this, Nasser yeah, was it a says chat. We like, the that's people. not an endorsement of his, all of his politics, but big dick energy. Mm. <laughs> so, her father would, of course, been scandalized by these attitudes, but maybe for Cameron, that was part of the attraction. So here's where we get to Boris Johnson's other fantasy. Oh, good. Her father, Henry, Hank, or Buster McLean. <laughs> Is he that's what he's always doing. McCain, George yeah, Ciciarello always- Mayer fanfic? What the <laughs> fuck? Like, I, 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 I hate Megan McCain, but I feel like she should be calling the cops. Look, Wait, so is his, is his nickname Hank Buster? Because he's always busted. <laughs> yeah, he's always like, he's a cop. So, and- so, so, in effect, again, I... I, I, I want to note that there is significant overlap here between uh, Ben Shapiro's book, True Allegiance, uh, that has been reviewed on the Chap and Trap House podcast, where um, the main character is described as a, a bear of a man, six, fit in, six foot three in his bear shoes, built like a tank, etc., etc., where Ben Shapiro is clearly just dreaming up this dream mm. god of a guy. Well, 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 um, what was and that Boris podcast? Johnson. Boris Johnson did the same thing, yeah. but earlier. Yeah. Boris Johnson beat Ben Shapiro to the <laughs> the rugged alpha male written in it's a regular. Ben Shapiro. Well, well, let's just say, let's just say for the sake of argument, you know, it's a guy, a big guy, a burly guy, a burly guy with big arms, big muscly arms, who could just who could just pick you up. He could pick, he pick someone up like me up, like a small guy like me. He could pick me up <laughs> and uh, he could pull down my trousers and he could just and he could just he could just break me in half. He could just break me in half. And, and you know what? You know what? I, let's say let's say hypothetically, I, I love it. I'd enjoy it. Let's but, say I'd come harder than I've ever come in my life. But what would I, you say about that? But I could break him in half with argument. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Boris yeah. Johnson's just inventing a man that he'd like to fuck people with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so her father, her father mm. Hank Buster McLean, was an alpha male so alpha that he would have been awarded a congratulatory first by examiners or advanced virility. Tentpole phrase, Claxon. Oh, That's another yeah, tentpole yeah, yeah. phrase. Amazing. Uh, Examiners and it's like, what does that even mean? Like, he doesn't, he can't even decide on a tone for his stupid jokes. Because what does that joke even mean? You know, it's not real. It doesn't refer to anything. I'll tell you what it actually means. It means that he's just forgotten what to say and so stole a a blackadder line, which is a a plan so cunning that if it was, um, that it would be awarded the position of cunning studies at Oxford University or whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's just what he's he's just taken a he's just taken a black adder line there and it's one of his tent. No, no, jokes. he's not taken it. He's he's it's an homage. Yeah. If you're smart enough to get it, which congratulations, Riley, you do, mm. you win the Boris Johnson prize for Boris Johnsonism. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can't spell homage without om, which means men, because a woman <laughs> could never have thought and of that. Here's the, here's, the, here's the next big pun. Here's the next tent oh, pun. I'm bracing every muscle in my body. He commanded oh, quiver with excitement. He commanded the Seymour Johnson U.S. Air Force Base. <sighs> Seymour Johnson. <laughs> I want to see more Johnsons. Johnson. Mm. Yeah, he thought he'd slip that past a lot of people, but nope, nothing gets past this podcast. Oh, that, that, man. That was, that's about a, a penis, right? Like, just yeah. to be clear. 
Uh, you just see more of. Uh, oh of the fuck! I penis. thought it was about Lyndon Johnson. Damn. Oh. How, uh, how everyone just loved to look at yeah. Lyndon Johnson because he had this big ass dick. Because aren't typically <laughs> named after wanting to see more penis. So that that's no. very amusing. No. That you, you yeah, would, yeah. They uh, usually name things like uh, "see less dick." Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, if only he could command this nation with the deftness and subtlety with which he commands his prose. <laughs> yeah, we've, so, all, we've all been to Yusuf Hiddenwang in Germany. <laughs> so, um, well, Buster I mean, McLean, Buster yeah. McLean <laughs> believed firmly in the That's American Imperium. <laughs> Buster McLean believed firmly in the American Imperium. He loathed the Democrats and hated the media, in particular their grotesque misreporting of the Tet Offensive, which led to America's unnecessary withdrawal from Vietnam, and, and which he identified his daughter. <laughs> with current mm. accounts of Iraq. Not that he was a bigot or anything like that. As a major employer, he saw the evil waste and stupidity of racism. <laughs> oh, uh, my we'd God. We'd all be for racism, but for its economic uh, detriment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. I believe that the black people are actually bigger and stronger than the white people. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can be put to excellent use in my yeah. gumbo factory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tilling the fields and such. Yes. Yeah. So he saw the evil waste and stupidity of racism, didn't care much about drugs either way, and was just innocently right wing in as much as he believed in the power of the will, the greatness of America. <laughs> in as much as he believed the in will, the will, the soil, and had this the weird thousand belt year buckle reign that says of the God will with us on it. Damn. And the ability of a man to rise on the stepping stones of his dead self to higher things. Uh-oh. Yes, we all we all triumph on the back of a will in a way. For example, I triumphed on the back of my father's will, which left me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I triumphed on the back of a man named Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a power boss. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, when Cameron was a little girl, every year on her birthday, he promised he would take her up in one of the Lockheed jets he was commanding in ever greater numbers. And if it was, was the F thirty five, they both died. Yeah, if he was commanding Lockheed, that's either an F thirty five or an F one hundred four, both of which regularly kill their pilots. So, you know, <laughs> we can hear she would. Every year, she would look at him with shining eyes and secretly wish that she could marry him. Oh, or oh, his daughter. Uh, oh, no, oh, she's no, wishing he no, could marry the, no, the, da- no, the dad. No, oh, right. no, no, yeah. um, no, 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 um, thank you. I, 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 he's achieved the impossible. He has made me feel sympathy for Meghan McCain. Um, congratulations to Boris. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is a new low. Like he has actually been like, what? God, her dad's such a fucking Chad. I bet she wants to just fuck him. Mm. <laughs> so, what? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, also, don't forget, this was written by the man who's prime minister. Oh, I'm sure everything's I have fine. That about Every- him. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. If Buster McLean was to be portrayed by modern Hollywood, it would, of course, be considered theatrically indispensable to expose him in the final reel as a crossdresser, a bra fetishist, an alcoholic, or abuser of animals. I mean, as someone who does all of those except the abusing animals, like, <laughs> I'm not sure what that would add to the dramatic, like, Slow. trajectory like, of oh, that movie. Look at him! He's looking at women in their bras! <laughs> no, 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 it's Damn. worse than that. He's wearing the bras. And, like, I don't once think- you do that, you're not a Chad anymore. No, who wears the bra in this relationship? That's what I always ask. Mm. Uh, Buster McLean was none of these things. He simply had the right stuff exploding hormonally from every orifice. Again, if In you fact, take okay. the estradiol on time, then it won't happen. 
In fact, his machismo was so intense that he was often considered a danger to himself and the exorbitantly expensive technology he was paid to fly. This is hentai without the pictures. That's, that's all this is. What if this is the only accurate bit yeah. is that the U.S. Army is constantly spending a billion dollars on like a plane that takes off for three feet and then crashes yeah. immediately, and, and, somehow and. destroying a school in the U.S. and Yemen. And you have to clean all of the cum out of like the instrument pack. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it crashed. Was, he was too alpha. He was too Chad. He was too manly. And he just fucking busts everywhere. <laughs>